Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Mark Potash. He's Jason Leisure. Welcome to How is Intrigue, the Chicago Bears podcast. Guys, we will preview the Dallas Cowboys game on Sunday. We will talk about the Bears' new look offense and a trade that, at least in the Bears' locker room, uh, seemed to take a little wind out of their sails. All of that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason Potsy, the Bears had momentum. They may still have it, but they decided to trade one of their most beloved guys uh, along the way. Robert Quinn had one sack this season. But last year had 18 and a half, a franchise record. Uh, he was dealt to the Eagles for a fourth round draft pick on Wednesday night. Jason, I think we all agree that getting something for him is better than cutting him at the end of the year, which I think the Bears would have done. But the timing of this is a little, little bizarre. Is that fair? It's a little disciplined. It's yeah. a little doing exactly what you should do and being realistic. And it's a... It's avoiding a trap that I suspect Ryan Pace would have fallen into, mm-hmm. of thinking, oh, here's the sign we need. We're close. We're close. Right. We're, in fact, we're not selling at the trade deadline. We're buying. Ryan Poles has been very disciplined from the start, the entire time. Too disciplined, maybe, sometimes, mm-hmm. in free agency, to the, to the extent of you're sitting here throughout and still now halfway through the season saying he didn't give Justin Fields enough on the offensive line or at wide receiver. But he has been very disciplined in what his plan is. And trading Robert Quinn, regardless of how great that win Monday night against the Patriots felt, fits exactly with his plan. Now, now, Pat, you talk about like what you know, losing Robert Quinn for nothing at the end of the year, maybe having to cut him. They, the flip side is they probably could have got a lot more for Robert Quinn back in the summer. Yeah, Potsy, you and I were talking about that off camera, as they say. Had they dealt him around the time they dealt Khalil Mack, do you think they're getting more than a fourth round pick? Uh, I, it would sure make sense uh, because he's seven games into a season and he has one sack. How, how can that help his uh, market value? It just <laughs> makes sense. Um, and I'll be honest, I thought he was. I, I thought there was very little chance he would be here uh, at the beginning of the year because they once once you get rid of uh, Khalil Mack and you don't sign Akeem Hicks and you make some. It was clear that they were just tearing everything down and, and they really did not. They really did not need Robert Quinn. All Robert Quinn does is take up salary cap space and help you win games that you don't need to win, frankly. I know they don't look at it like that, but that's the reality. And so I'm so I was surprised that he was here in the first place. Um, you know, great guy. It's funny we had, you know, we uh, a little inside uh, Bears coverage. You know, we were in the locker room for the first time in 2 years uh, here and Robert Quinn uh, was uh, Available and a really good guy, and and uh, and obviously, and, and and I point that out because you saw the. We don't necessarily see how he interacts with his teammates, but you could tell by the way Roquan <clears throat> reacted that he had a huge impact on this team. So there was that, but that's not the rationale for keeping him, and that that's that's not why you keep him. Uh, I think it was mostly because to get back to the original questions, they, maybe they could have gotten more, but it wasn't. Uh, the offers weren't good enough at, uh, at, to at least to Ryan Poles then, uh, as it as it became as it later became. Jason Ryan Poles said last night that uh, there really wasn't that big of a market for him before the season started. I'm sure that had something to do with the 12.8 million dollars that uh, whatever team that traded for him was going to have to pay him. As it turns out, the Bears are paying down the majority of what they have left which essentially means that they're buying a fourth-round pick 
with, you know, what, $7 million or whatever, whatever's left on the deal. I'm okay with that. You know, they're planning ahead for next year. And next year they've got the most salary cap space in the league by double now, I think. It's the right thing to do. They're still in a rebuild. And furthermore, to spin this forward, Pet, like this means more playing time for a lot of guys that you need to evaluate. You need to find out if Dominique Robinson, Travis Gibson, you need to find out what these guys really are because you are trying to build a really good team. 2023, 2024, somewhere in that range. You're trying to build a really, really good team. So is Travis Gibson good enough to be one of your top two edge rushers? Is Dominique Robinson going to really be an NFL pass rusher? You've got to find all that out. So this really, as much as this has got to be frustrating coming off the New England game, this makes a lot of sense going forward into the Dallas game and onward. Patsy, I was uh, I noticed today when we were talking to Alan Williams, the Bears defensive coordinator, where he said the defensive line is the engine of this defense, and we're only going as far as the D-line can go. The D-line is not the strength of this team by no, any stretch. Uh, no. I mean, the, do you know who leads them in sacks? Roquan what? Smith with two and a half. He's not a defensive lineman. Um, do you think this now goes from being iffy to being a, a bona fide weakness? And, and what sort of effect would that have on, on the 4-3 scheme that they run? Well, uh, there's a lot there, Pat. First of all, I'm not sure how much Robert Quinn was. Uh, maybe he was a part of that uh, uh, in, insufficient production. Okay. Yeah, that's know? fair. Sure. So, maybe, so maybe that's, uh, believe it or not, uh, it's hard to say about your career, your franchise single-season sack leader, but maybe it's addition by subtraction. They refuted that, that idea, and Alan Williams said that, you know, even though he only had one sack, uh, Quinn was still a productive player. And I've seen enough big sack guys who don't get sacks to be productive to, to realize that, yeah, that might be true. But still, um, the def- I think he's absolutely right. I thought it was interesting that he went to the defensive line because, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not straying too far off the subject here, but that was like the first game where we really noticed the defensive line in this game. And that's where the first time where even if you're not a film watcher, you look at that and say they won the, they won the battle of the line of scrimmage, which you don't often do against the Patriots, especially defense versus offense. So they were was, back there from the start. That was notable. From the very and, beginning. And, and I'll be, their, their interior, Angelo Blackson and, and Justin Jones, um, I can't say I really noticed them a lot. That doesn't mean they weren't playing well. But they are absolutely right that in this defense, if you look historically, I mean – as much as Darius Leonard, I think he's been a big factor in Indy, but DeForest Buckner actually, I think, almost gets paid as much or more because he's a three technique, and, and, that, and even though he's not maybe as good uh, pound for pound as, as Darius Leonard, he's more, he's more valuable and, and, uh, because it's such an important position. And it's interesting to wonder, wow, should they, could, should they have kind of been patient and waited for Larry Ogunjobi, who I don't think he's having a great year, but certainly made a big play in the, in the game the other day, and so you notice them, but... Uh, that's, I guess, a, a point neither here nor there because uh, Justin Jones, I think, has is, is been good enough. But overall, they needed to be better, and apparently it sure looked like it was better. So I, I can't remember what your question was, but all I'm saying is the defensive line, I think, is, uh, is uh, kind of an area of uh, improvement and I think something that bodes well if they're going to uh, be even better in the second half of the season than they were in the first. That's where it's got to start, even without Robert Quinn and maybe – you know, just despite, in, in spite of him being traded, or despite him being traded, uh, they, I think they, they, they still feel like they can go forward there, and I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Patrick, what concerns you most for the Bears about the Cowboys, just specifically as it pertains to what the Bears are good at and not good at, between 
Micah Parsons and Dak Prescott. Which one would you be more worried Micah, about? Micah Parsons scares me to death. He's second in the league with eight sacks. I think he's had two or four games with two sacks apiece, which means that he's one game and one quarter away from, um, I mean, what, he'd be the Bears' leader playing a game and a half, something like that. Uh, they can line him up all over the field. He's an inside linebacker, but he's also a pass rusher. Uh, the Bears, as we sit here right now, are going to have some offensive line issues. Sam Mustafer is going to play center again. Uh, Michael Schofield was fine at, at left guard, so that'll look the same. But Larry Borum right now is in concussion protocol. If they have to replace him, my guess is it would be Riley Reef. And now you're sitting there going, all right, you got um, Micah Parsons against either Riley Reef or Braxton Jones. Uh, Riley Reef has been in the league for a dozen years but wasn't good enough to start here. And Braxton Jones has been in the league for about 10 minutes. Uh, both of those matchups scare me absolutely to death. I'm setting the over-under on him for another two sacks, and uh, I think he is going to wreck the game. Riley Reef was at right tackle for the Bengals last year, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah but yeah, that before that, he had, he had been a career left right. tackle. But he played right tackle for all last season, so there's some familiarity there. But you're right in the sense that Riley Reef was available, mm-hmm. very available. I mean, he didn't sign till when? The oh, couple days before training yeah, camp? The and, night, yeah, the night before training camp. And then gets here, and it's no match for right. Braxton Jones, right? who is a struggling rookie. Uh, that's a huge concern. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see, Potsy, what Luke Getze comes up with to neutralize this guy. Because uh, you know we saw a lot of Justin Fields' runs last week. Uh, I don't want Micah Parsons chasing Justin Fields. I think that that will probably end poorly for them. And I think they're aware of that. The only question is how much do the pass protection adjustments they have to make kind of throw them off the rhythm that they were in, the noticeable rhythm they were in, a groove I have rarely seen uh, the Bears being against a good defense. And I, I, I was not kidding. I, I've never, that was very noticeable. They were in that, a great groove. And, and, um, and how, will, how much will having to protect against the, the, their pass rushers throw them off of that? It'll be uh, – you know, not to – get too far off your question, but in general, it's going to be a real interesting game for the Bears offense because they've shown something now that teams are aware of, and now here's the opportunity for them to show how they can kind of adjust to a team's adjustments, and um, and, that's, and that pass protection is going to be a huge part of it. Well, and that's one of the things Getsy says all the time, which is, like, this is what the league is. The league is every week you sit there and go, okay, I've shown this, now what am I going to do? And this is, you know, you know short of... I mean, the Bears can run the football. They've been able to run the football all year. But this is really the first very specific thing that I think they've been outstanding at in, you know, in one game, which was the, the field's runs. Now, you know, the Cowboys are spending all week worried about that. Now what can Getsy do? And is it getting the ball out of Justin Fields' hands? I mean, to me, that's, that's kind of the next step here is are we throwing screens to tight ends, screens to wide receivers, doing things that make it so Micah Parsons can't put him on his butt? Bill Belichick, as much as he is capable of admitting this, if you watch his post-game press conference from Monday, reading between the lines, he basically admits that they surprised New England with the quarterback runs. Right. Now, he also says once we saw it. Then we couldn't stop then it. We have, then, yeah. then it's no longer a surprise. and right, th- sure. That's been declared, and that's something that we should be able to counteract. But he basically said when asked if he was surprised, said, well, we knew of Justin Fields' right. abilities. And then once they declared that in the game as part of their game plan, it was on us to stop it. You will not have that again. No. You will not have that again where a team is just, they haven't practiced against that all week. No, no, you won't. And 
you know, in that sense, I think the passing game just needs to take the next step, whatever it is. And um, it should. That should be the, the ripple the effect of being able to run that's like this. That's the counter, It yeah. should open that up. Yeah, and if they're going to spy Justin Fields, okay, that's one fewer. Perfect. Yeah, that's, yes. that should help. And we'll see whether Fields is skilled enough uh, and whether his receivers are skilled enough to take advantage of that. Um, you know, they haven't. If I were playing the Bears and if you guys were playing the Bears, I think you'd sit there and go, take the run away, and I dare you to throw it. And, um, you know, Fields had a couple of good throws. Potsy, to your point, that they seemed in a rhythm. The third and 16 throw to uh, to Darnell Mooney at the sticks at the end of the first half was one of the best plays they've had all season. Um, you know, that would have been, you know, two or three games ago we would have written, you know, a thousand words on it because mm-hmm. it would have been the only good play. When Aaron Rodgers does that, you throw your hands up and say, why can't why can't the Bears do that? Yeah. And the Bears did that. That's a, That was a, one of many good signs. For the was that the one where he was rolling right, where Fields was yeah. rolling toward the right sideline and then hit Mooney on the right sideline? As he, Yeah, as he got shoved out of the It was such a great throw, and this is the reason that I want to, uh, I do want to do a thousand words on that right now, <laughs> is because it shows you what he can be as a thrower. Right. He is not a runner. He is not a pocket passer, he's got some of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's what could really make Justin Fields special. That throw, he has no chance to set his feet as he's rolling right. Mm-hmm. He uses his accuracy and his arm strength to kind of get over the top with his right arm and put that ball exactly where it needed to be. It was such an impressive throw. And it just shows you what he can be as a thrower. You have to have that, though. This is the thing, Pat, is like we saw – a good template against the Patriots, mm-hmm. but that isn't enough overall. Like it has to be what the the blueprint of what they did, but more of everything. Well, in higher the, volume of all of it. Well, in the the Cowboys, <laughs> I think we were all pretty convinced that the Patriots were good, given what they had done uh, to the Lions. What twenty nine nothing the week right. before, and, and and then oh, who was the team they played before that? Um, you know, they put together a pretty good month of football. The Cowboys are a lot better than them, aren't they? I mean, isn't the question now, Potsy? You go from a long week against a team that didn't that had a quarterback problem and some holes in their roster, but Bill Belichick, to now you've got a short week, but you're going to face a team with you know Dak Prescott and Micah Parsons and probably an improving Dak Prescott too. He's yeah. only played two games, probably and on the, his way up. The well, Bears notably have been flummoxed by the two best quarterbacks they played, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, had a typical 130 passer rating, really efficient, two touchdowns. And uh, and um, uh, Kirk Cousins, I don't think he ended up with an overly impressive passer rating, but, you know, he could, I think he completed his first, what, 18 passes. It was just they had no answer, you know. So they there is a test for the Bears' defense. It's, it'll be an interesting one against a good quarterback, uh, and uh, Dak Prescott is certainly that. So uh, you're right, That's this is going to be – this is going to be a good chance. I'm really, I'm looking forward to this game. It's a, it's a, it's a chess match. It's the best chess match we've seen from a Bears off for a Bears offense, as far as uh, you know what they have, to, what the opportunity they have. You know, how do you counter the spy? How do you, you know, counter the run defense? Whatever. It's that, and just in general, the idea of like you said, uh, going from you know a, a mini buy to a short week. Um, the mini buy week sure made the coaching staff look great. I mean, that was as impressive. I, I was looking back. I can't remember any, even in 2018, I can't remember a game where the coaching staff looked that good from all phases. Because even in that big win against the Rams that year, I think it was 15-6 to six or something, the offense was not very good at all. No. I think I think uh, Trubisky had like a 30 uh, passer rating. It was against a really good Rams defense, so I get it. But my point is that no time, in the, even in the best year the Bears have had in a while, 
did the coaching staff, uh, did, did a game reflect upon the coaching staff, coaching staff as well as this one did? Right. And so now, you know, now in a short week, now this is where it's like, yeah, that was good. Uh, can't, can't deny that. But now you really got to prove it. The short week in that, in 2018, it was the short week that Matt Nagy was really good at. Um, and right. Yeah. Three and, games in. Yeah. Three games in 11, 11 what, days or whatever. Something crazy. crazy. Yeah, right. Something crazy. Jason, you brought up Prescott. Uh, it looks like Zeke Elliott. Uh, may not play on Sunday. He didn't practice on Wednesday because of a knee, a knee sprain. I wonder whether this helps or hurts the Bears. I was going to say, I don't know that that's the, that, that is automatically a, uh, a positive for the Bears to avoid yeah. Zeke Elliott because Tony Pollard, who's been playing for him, is better. Is aver- say, he's averaging five and a half better. yards per game. Yeah. I mean, Tony Pollard is He just there. came off, I think, 12 carries for 83 yards. Yeah. Tony Pollard is their Khalil Herbert. Right. In terms of yards per carry, and you know, I don't think he can handle a full slate, uh, and I don't think Zeke can handle a full slate. So together, they're pretty good. But you know, one of the when the Cowboys started winning games with a backup quarterback, the reason was they started leaning on their run game a little more. They got away from a Dak focused offense and, and turned around and handed it off. With Dak back and with Zeke maybe out, I wonder whether it'll swing back toward a pass happy offense. And that might not be good for the Bears either, but it certainly isn't what had been working for the Cowboys. Yeah, and you would, I think you would still start, even at this point, you would want to attack the Bears' run defense. The Bears are 29th in rushing yards allowed per game, 150 per game, I think, something like that. Um, you would still want to hit that first, and you would want to have, like you are saying, the combination of Elliott and Pollard. Real quick before we get to our picks, uh, the trade deadline is coming up Tuesday. Ryan Pulse said on Wednesday night that uh, that they were open for business, but that uh, talks had been quiet. Uh, if you guys had to bet, do you think they do anything between now and then? I, I can't. I mean, uh, anything could happen, of course, but I, I don't see them being really uh, that hung up on making any other big moves. Um, you know, to, at this at this point, I, I, I don't see it happening. But again, it's you know we've been hit with surprises before, so. Um, it's really hard to tell what he's thinking. I, I think Roquan Smith is staying. I think David Montgomery is the other obvious name there. But, you know, you listen to Fields yesterday, Jason, and Fields said, you know, the run game, essentially the run game is my best friend. When the run game is going, that helps me. I don't know why the Bears would want to mess with that, because, in part because I don't think they're – I mean, they wouldn't get more for Montgomery than they got for Quinn. Not for a running back. No, it's I mean, really almost at, nothing against Montgomery, but, but not Ro- for a running back. But Roquan's value is, is, is going to be pretty high, especially after coming off of a, a good game and just the, the season he's having. And Leads the league in tackles. That's one where you'd say, yeah, they're really, they should probably keep him or they should, well, you know, he's like their best defensive player. But, you know, in the, in the NFL today, especially in the NFC with so many teams seeing open, window, open windows to uh, the NFC championship game, Nothing would surprise me that someone could make a knock your socks off offer uh, that uh, they might not uh, be able to resist. So, I, I, like I say, anything I doubt that they'll, they'll do anything, but nothing would surprise me just given the, the the circumstances, the way the season's coming out. Would you rather have Roquan Smith or the last pick of the first round next year? Well, I would. Um, that's hard for me to say, uh, but I, I guess I would lean towards having Roquan Smith because he's your sure thing. And he's not just a good player, he's a potentially great player, and he's a playmaker. We're seeing that already. And he's just kind of, I feel like he's just kind of getting started in this defense. Even he said he doesn't have it totally down, and, and, uh, and I just think there, he can give you so much more in this defense 
than kind of making a roll of the dice at, uh, at, like near the end of the first round. And I think they'll be more than happy, Pat, to go year to year with him on yep. the franchise tag for the next two years if that's what's worst, needed. Worst case. At least yeah. buying time to work on a deal. The guys with the big cap numbers for next year, Pat, for 2023, are Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, and that is it. Yep. And Eddie Jackson, to me, would have been a trade candidate six months ago for sure. But he's fit really well with Brisker. He's played very well. And listening to Ryan Poles talk before the New England game, I mean, there, everything to me points towards Eddie Jackson is going to continue to be part of things here beyond this season. So I don't see him getting traded. And you can't trade Cody White here with an injury. Nobody's going to want to yep. go for that. Yeah. Unless, unless he was trying to pump up his value and, and <laughs> entice uh, some team to take a shot. You know, make a, make also, a you offer. can't do that to Justin Fields because <laughs> the second Cody White here can walk again, you want him back here. Yeah, I, I think that Eddie Jackson has been one of the most pleasant surprises. Of the Eddie season. Jackson and Robert Quinn were the last two big contracts that you were sitting around with, and you dump Quinn, and I think Eddie Jackson looks like a guy that you might, you might actually, it turns out, want for the next especially, three to five years. Especially when you're not so pressed to, to get rid of all your big contracts. I mean, even if it, even you can if afford it, to keep even Eddie if Jackson. it is somewhat cost efficient, and I guess it maybe technically it still is, but it's not an albatross contract at this point. Maybe a year ago it was. And it's something that the Bears with their cash base can handle. So right. that's another reason to keep them. Uh, and, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if anything like that. Also, they've lapped the field in 2023 salary cap space. You know, I think the number two team's got half as much. Now, they're going to give an extension to Roquan, probably. Or they're going to try. I'm sorry. They're going to give one to Darnell Mooney, probably. They're going to be spending this money pretty quick. But at some point, I do think you get diminishing returns. You know, you know, if they have 120 million versus 128 million, I, I don't know that that difference matters. Um, especially because I mean, they may be hard pressed to spend all that money. Yeah, uh, having a lot of cap space uh, in, uh, when you're looking at free agency is kind of overrated because you, you usually end up overspending and, and going too far into uh, free agency to solve your problems. I think it's it's a much easier thing to do when you have. Players like Mooney and Roquan Smith, and and uh, and you use the money that way. So I think having that huge, uh, like you said, lapping the the rest of the field in in, in uh, cap space, I, I, it's not as much of an advantage unless you have players on your own roster. Because a, you have the money to spend, and also theoretically, you have players who are actually ascending and and being worthy of that. Sure. So, so I, th- to me, that's the key. The the key is, is signing your own guys. I think they've got two. They they probably need in the next eight ten games. They need a couple more to develop guys who you really want to keep. I think it's that'll be in a rebuilding season. That's what you're looking at. Yeah, and you know the Bears defense. I don't think it's great, but it's stable right now. And I think stability benefits everybody on both sides of the ball here. Uh, for in you know namely Justin Fields. I mean, what was the starting field position? On, on Monday night? It was probably, I don't have it handy, but I think the Bears were starting somewhere around their own 40. That's on insane. Average. That's, that, is, that is how Mitch Trubisky scored a lot of points in 2018, uh, and uh, it certainly helped them against the and, Patriots. And one constant has been they've been better in the second half than the first, which sometimes if you're bad enough in the first half, you make it easier to be better. But in general, especially Monday night, that's a pretty good sign. The Patriots are a team that historically is good. Uh, they, they've gone, I think, thir- uh, 17 years straight where they've outscored teams in the second half of, uh, of, the, of a season, uh, or the second half of games throughout a season. But that, that's their forte, is, is uh, playing well in the second half. And they got shut out. I can't remember what the stat was. I, I had it in first and ten, but I think it was like the, only the eighth time in, in 20 years at home 
that they have been sco held scoreless in right. in the second half. Well, that that that's what the that, that's a pretty good accomplishment. My point is the the Bears defense. Yeah, you're right. It's it's not there yet, but uh, that one that one consistent uh, effect I think is a is a good sign. They've allowed 35 points in the second half this season. That's an average of five points per game, which is crazy. Uh, they're third in the league right now behind the Bills and the Bengals, of all people. So, yeah, very few teams better than the Bears in the second half. Uh, ordinarily, that would transition into one of us picking the Bears to beat the Cowboys on Sunday, but I don't think that's going to happen. Somebody did, though, didn't yeah, they? The sun, yeah, the uh, team sometimes, uh, Rick Tellender picked them. Um, bravo to Rick for his bravery uh, in the face of a uh, pretty big deficit Just here. Classic Tellender goofiness. <laughs> Goofy Rick Tellender picking the Bears to win this game. Uh, Jason, I, I think our scores are similar, but uh, I'm going to pull uh, I'm going to pull yours up here. What is your rationale um, behind all this? I just don't think I have Dallas winning 24-13. I believe. I mean, I can see the Bears getting some points, getting some successful drives. I cannot see them just continuing to punch it in the end zone. And there was still an issue the other night against New England where four field goals. Right. And field goals in situations where, in they, who knows what they would have done at the end with that last possession if they were taking it seriously. That would have made the numbers look a little different. But you you are not going to beat Dallas, I don't think, with a bunch of field goals. Dallas is going to score more than 14 points. That's going to be hard for the Bears to keep up with. Yeah, you've got them 24-13. I've got it 23-10. Uh, my rationale being, I, I think it's still going to be hard for them to score against a good defense. And what's Dallas? Are they second in yards allowed, Potsy, or something like that? Could be. <laughs> um, what is what is your <laughs> thanks, Mark? I don't know why I thought you would know that off. They the might top be of ranked rest. second. They <laughs> might be ranked twelfth. They might be ranked thirtieth. I don't know. Any of those could be true. Uh, Potsy, uh, your score is twenty three sixteen. So you have it as a one score game. Uh, what's your thinking here? Well, I think the Bears overall are making progress. I think this, I think the rebuild is working. I buy that, and I and I point that out because I think they are capable of beating teams like the Cowboys, even on the road. Nothing would surprise me. That said, I just think, and maybe I'm making too much of it. I think there's a big difference between preparing, having ten days to prepare for a team, and, and then only five. And I think they, I think they made hay out of that, out of that mini buy on many levels. Their own self scouting, preparing for the the opponent, getting healthy, and they don't have as much time. Uh, they're playing another good opponent on the road, and they're not as healthy as they were. So uh, I see the Bears putting up a good fight, but I just think uh, I think the Cowboys are just a better team. A, a couple of quick over-unders. Jason, over-under six designed quarterback runs. Oh, over for sure. Over? Potsy, what do you think? Went there 12 uh, the other night. There were 10 designed runs. I will go over. You'd go over? Rushing yards for fields, 50? What do you think? I would go under. You'd go under. I think they'll be ready for him. I think over. I think, he, man, he's such a good runner. And I had, I never want to reduce him to just a runner because we just talked about that throw he made to Darnell Mooney. But, right. Pat, he's to the point now where when you see him in the open field and you see a safety or somebody coming, you know that guy's not going to get him. Right, yeah. You know that won't it's be like the end of the ice skates. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It won't ha That won't be the end of that play. It'll be somebody else that has to get him. I think the Cowboys see uh, fields running is the one thing that can beat them. And I think they're going to go all out to stop them. It doesn't mean the Bears won't 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 try. Although it would be interesting if the Bears anticipate that and have a completely different game plan and don't have no design runs at all and have a better plan B. That would be impressive. 
But I still think they're going to try it. I just think the Cowboys, with that defense, they're going to be able to take advantage of it. And like we, I, I mentioned before, I just think the Bears are going to have some protection issues that's going to pre- prevent them from being quite as freewheeling or as uh, groovy, I guess you might say, groovy. Uh, groovy. Uh, as they were as they were uh, against New England. So I, I, that's why I say I think they're going. I think they'll try more runs. I just don't think they'll be as successful. If they are not as groovy, I want you to ask about that in post game. Yeah, groovy? why was this game plan not as groovy? A man. <laughs> oh, why don't we leave it at that? He's Mark Potash. He's Jason Leisure. I'm Patrick Finley. Uh, remember to check us out online in print and uh, please like, rate, and review the podcast if you like us. If you don't, uh, you can skip that part. Uh, we will be back again Sunday night from Dallas. Until then, uh, have a great weekend. I, I wanted you to say the word groovy. Oh. Have a groovy weekend. I only use that once. Have a groovy weekend, man. Man. <laughs>